Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,499. If it's meant to be, it's up to me. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. I'm revved up and so excited to share with you today a very special guest calling in from beautiful Huntington Beach, California. Wish I was there this morning, Chris Hurst. Chris Hurst is a racer who has run in sprint carts, autocross, and endurance racing. He's driven over 250 different cars in competition, worked in shops that built 1,000-horsepower competition cars, and managed a private collection of exotic and rare sports cars in Montecito. Chris was a driving coach at the Porsche Experience Center in Los Angeles and has coached famous musicians and Hollywood stuntmen. And he raced with John Morton, Steve Nichols, and Steve O'Hara, to name just a few. In addition to his driving experience, Chris is a writer and a blogger who inspires fellow automotive enthusiasts on a daily basis. We'll be right back to talk to Chris, but first, a word from our valued sponsors that make Cars Yeah! possible. We'll be right back. Hey, Cars Yeah! I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you a Cars yeah subscriber? If you're not, go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button, and I'll send you my free filler-up book. It's a very cool book I created of fuel filler fun, some very cool imagery, and great quotes from past guests here on Cars yeah. Plus, you'll get my weekly email follow-up and my weekly blog. Just go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button, and I'll send it to you right away. Thanks for subscribing. Hey, Chris, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Oh, yeah, let's do it, Mark. Thanks a lot for having me on the show. I'm a big fan of your format and uh, what you're doing, man. Appreciate it. Well, absolutely fun. And definitely a guy like you that's been in many seats being asked if you're buckled up and ready for a fun ride is probably a silly question, but we're going to have some fun today <laughs> learning about you and all the fun that you do. Uh, before we get started, just tell our listeners maybe just a little bit without giving up too much about you and what you're doing, what you want to be doing perhaps, and uh, all the fun you're having with cars. Um, so I've been in the industry uh, professionally for about, uh, I would say, eight to nine years now, and I've been racing since I was 15. I'm now 31. Uh, so it's been a long, uh, long ride for me, no pun. Uh, I have a technical degree. I have a technical degree from back east in um, doing engine building and 
transmission stuff that was mostly centered around uh, NASCAR. So uh spent a lot of time in labs and learning and, uh, you know, just try to be a student of the game throughout the years I've been in it. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like you've been having some fun doing lots of different unique things. And we're going to learn a lot more about you as we move through this. But first, I want you to share with our listeners one little thing about Chris Hurst that maybe most people don't know. I uh, I used to drive around on the streets of uh, Mulholland, which we'll get into, and that's sort of the origin of uh, my foray into the industry. Uh, not many people know about that, so we'll get into that a little bit, too. Okay, absolutely. Well, as we start this journey that we will call your life here, Chris, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that's been perhaps instrumental in forming your life and what you do. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tire smoking here on cars yeah so grab the wheel a buddy of mine emil Boré, is a big influence to me among many other people that i've sort of uh have the privilege to meet in this industry he actually said one to me as we were talking about doing this uh this interview uh he said if it's meant to be it's up to me and that <laughs> I just, love that. that stuck with me i really like that it really stood out to me i've never heard someone say that uh, i think a lot of people hope and, and dream that things will happen. But at the end of the day, it's kind of a, a replica of sort of building a car. You can make a thousand horsepower, but at the end of the day, you have to find a way to put it to the ground. And I yes. think uh, that, that I think that's what we're all kind of trying to do in this industry. I think a lot of the people listening to this perhaps in their own lives have something that they're trying to work on. And, uh, you know, it's just like a car. If it's meant to be, it's up to you. You got to put the wrench time in and you got to learn and you got to be a student every day. You know, I love that saying, and I'll tell you something, Chris, way back when I, I left the company I'd been running, and I'd been part of it for 23 years, and I took a little bit of time off to help my wife. She was quite ill, and and I was trying to figure out something to do, and my son gave me the idea for this podcast. I didn't even know what a podcast was, and wow. so I started investigating it, and that same saying was said to me. I called lots of friends. I told them what I was thinking about doing. Most of them said, what? <laughs> what? Are you crazy? <laughs> I said, well, yeah, I want to do something that, you know, I can do at home. I'm caring for my wife right now and all this. And, and so, uh, somebody actually said those words to me. And when you were saying those, I actually got goosebumps because when I, when I finally decided to do this, uh, my wife said, you know what? If you don't take a chance and try it, it'll, you'll never know. You'll always look back wondering what if. And here we are. You're my 1,499th guest in five and a half years. I've talked to incredible people. I've learned so much from people like you and so many other inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Yeah, it's up to you if you want something to happen. Don't wait around for other people to do it for you. Exactly. You've got to do it yeah. yourself. Yeah, exactly. that's a great saying. Yeah, I love yeah. it. You just sent the goosebumps right back. <laughs> ah, well, good. That's what we're about yeah. here is inspiring other people. Well, uh, give me a couple examples, Chris, before I jump into the next question about what you are doing today and what you want to do. How have you incorporated that into the many things that you've done in your life and in your career? Yeah, that's actually a really interesting question. So I've jumped around a lot in the industry. I've had a lot of different jobs. Um, I've been let go from companies and then been brought into stuff as a, you know, from uh, working a line job at, at Mercedes. Probably the best example I could give you, to be honest, is, um, you know, I, I've always wanted to be a driver. I always wanted to get paid to drive. And I think a lot of people out there who follow my page uh, or even who are into cars in general, it's kind of like the dream. Everyone wants to get paid to drive. And it's really, really hard. I mean, I've heard certain examples that there's less guys 
professionally racing than there are in the NFL, which is and your odds <laughs> yeah. are stacked against That you. makes sense. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So I had a guy at Mercedes. We were working this line job and I hated it. I mean, I hated it. It's, it's brutal, grueling work. You Sometimes you're going seven days a week. The warehouse gets up to, you know, the cars are hundred, a hundred something degrees inside when they've been sitting outside all day. And I said, man, this sucks. I, I want to get into driving. I, you know, I want to do something. And, and so someone told me about the Porsche Experience Center. And I started talking about it. And one of the guys on the line, you know, he'd been working it for 30, 40 years. He said to me, yeah, yeah, real veteran. He said, uh, if you work here for a while, you could get in over there and they'll give you a good recommendation here and that'll help you get in. And, and I respected this guy a lot. And I, and I looked at him and I kind of had this thought of like, I'm not sitting here for three years. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And, and you know what? No one's going to come to the Mercedes Benz line from Porsche and say, Hey, I heard there's this kid here. You want a job? Of course not. So, so I, I, I found a way. I just found the people who were involved in it and I found a way to make it happen. And that's exactly what it literally happened like to a T the way I saw it in my head. Yeah, you got to ask for it. Way back when I was a young man, I went to work in advertising and uh, I asked my boss after about six months, how can I make more money here? And he said, well, you can bring work in. And I said, yeah. okay, how do I do that? Well, this is the days before cell phones and computers. He said, well, you've got to put a suit on, go downtown, go into those high-rise buildings and start knocking on doors and ask for work. And yeah, I tell 100%. You, if that isn't a humbling job, because if you're lucky to even get past the receptionist in the front lobby, uh, and she's the, the bulldog at the gate that has to, you know, keep all the oh, yeah. stuff out like me. Oh, yeah. But I learned a valuable lesson, and I always joke about this. I wish I'd known this lesson when I was in high school and college. You don't get if you don't ask. And I'd had a lot more dates if I'd asked more girls out <laughs> during those times. Well, people want to say whatever they want to say, but really the reality is about business relationships in life is it, it really is a numbers game. And if you're hitting it hard every single day, you're going to hit those numbers. Eventually you'll hit numbers. And that's the key is you got to get out and you got to put out, you got to talk to a hundred people at an event, not 10. You got to filter out everybody and then follow up with those people. You can't be fake. You can't be corny. You got to be genuine when you come and talk to people. And when people can feel that genuineness and that love and that passion you have for what you're doing, I feel like it draws people to you. And that's sort of what's happened to me in the industry. So it's really cool to hear that there's other people out there who have similar, uh, Oh, of course. Uh, things that they, they've dealt with. Yeah, that's well, awesome. Especially in racing, I've interviewed hundreds of racers here, and I've had some very famous racers, Formula One racers, super successful people like Bobby Rahal and Ari Leindyke and his son and all these people. And I'll tell you, I had a racer on the show once who said he had tried and tried and tried. He was literally at the end of a race. He, the contract was done. He just had never gotten where he wanted to be, and he was in the lobby of the hotel getting ready to fly out. And he was literally walking across the lobby thinking, this is it. I, I can't make this yeah. work. Yeah. And yeah. he saw a team owner sitting there uh, reading a paper and he went, I'm just going to go up and out. And that was the beginning of Bobby Ray Hall's career. And, oh you know, it's the, that one, <laughs> if he had just walked by that guy and gone home, who knows where he would have gone. But, that's my point. That's your point. You've got to talk with people, network. So I think that's great. Well, let's tr let's transform here to your career these days. You've done so many different things. What is it that has you excited and fired up this year? What is it you want to be doing? What is it you're doing? Kind of share what's going on with you. So I'm super stoked. Um, I went, uh, I was in the Ford Ferrari movie and that came out and I got to do scenes with Christian Bale and Matt Damon. 
So that was an unbelievable life changing event for me. And out of that, I've now become SAG eligible to join the union. And from that now, I've been introduced to some people who are very prevalent in the world of Hollywood stunts. And I think I'm going out in a month or two. We have to see when people's schedules line up. These guys are super busy. But um, I think I'm I'm getting an opportunity to to drive with them and maybe see where that goes. So Oh wow, that, that's exciting. Yeah. It's it's pretty heavy for me. So that's oh, something yeah. I'm I'm work yeah, I'm working a day job, but in the back of my mind I'm I'm just going, Okay, like, you know, here we go. Let's see let's see where this goes. <laughs> How was that experience when you uh, you shot in that movie? I mean, it's such a great movie, and it's it's really, you know, I think that movie was kind of cool. It seems to have hit all cylinders, excuse the pun, uh, for not even for even people who aren't that much in cars. All of us car people are going to love it, no matter what. But what was it like working in that? What did you get to do, and how was the experience? It was indescribable. I mean, and it, like I got pulled in. I, well, first of all, I wasn't even supposed to be on it. I basically was told no. So the way I got on it just off the bat was pretty incredible. And that goes back to mall and stuff. I actually, we'll talk about that a little bit and a couple of the questions coming up. But I basically, I basically ran against this guy. Talk about creating opportunity as a theme. I ran against this guy who I knew was the known stunt driver and everyone was saying he was like the fastest guy up on this road. So. I kind of had people who were there and just hang, they would hang out there all the time. And I told somebody, you call me if he's there again. And so somebody ended up calling me and they said, yeah, he's sitting up here right now. And I borrowed a car from someone that I wasn't even supposed to be driving. And oh. I went up to the hill and I ran this guy like four or five runs up and down this road. That's how I met him. And he's the one who ended up giving me the green light to get into the movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, it water. Yeah, wanting it, taking a chance, going to the right place, mm-hmm. talking with the right people. Uh, you know, that's pretty darn cool. So I'm just going to make sure next time you're at my house, my keys are locked up, though. Thanks for the warning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, exactly. You never know, right? But, uh, you never know. No, so, yeah. I got, so I I got onto the film, and then I was doing basically like, uh, you know, a background, but we applied for kind of like a special team. They were looking for mechanics. So I ended up getting in. And I ended up on like the quote unquote Shelby crew in the movie. And basically, um, I didn't get upgraded like with a speaking line or anything like that. But I think they kind of saw my background and the fact that I knew parts and that I, I didn't look like uh, confused when I was around, you know, the vehicles <laughs> or the equipment. You know, and right, so right, up, the right into the wrench to use. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you'd be surprised what you see on set. But, uh, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was pretty cool. And so they ended up pulling me into scenes and I was kind of in the movie about every 10 to 15 minutes. You'll see me. Oh, somewhere. So it well, was that's pretty awesome. fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fun. fun experience for sure. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, what I like to delve into here is a big challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way. This could be in life and career, whatever. And it's not so much to drum up a bad thing, but it's more to share with others that we all go through these things. How do we come out in a positive way in the other end? So what the learning lesson was is the most important part of this, of course. So take us down a path here, Chris. Okay. Well, I would say, uh, you know, mentally in the industry, I went off a cliff in a Miata one time and going what? back. To the, yeah, I went off a cliff uh, one time running up uh, a mountain road and I ended up caught in a tree in the middle of the night. And it basically, oh the mess, yeah, it's pretty wild. I have pictures of it. I took a photo as they were towing the car off the side of the cliff. But um, 
basically the mental part for me would be going back and getting back in the car and competing after that. It was a little bit weird to be like, okay, send it, chuck it through the corner. And, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of messes with you a little bit. The first time back, you got to You got to knock the rust off and remember that you can do something and that, you know, something you're not going to get the same result. You're going to figure out how to make the car go through the corner. And, uh, and then I think the next challenge I would say is in life for me in the industry is, I, I come from a background where I have parents who are, they do, they do real well, but they never uh, got me into racing. It just wasn't something they did. So navigating the industry and finding rides without money has been a huge challenge. And that's what's actually been like my, my kind of golden ticket to getting the opportunity that I've had. Yeah, absolutely. I've had, like I mentioned, I've had so many racers on and, and the racing industry has always been expensive, but it just keeps getting more and more expensive. And that's a very common challenge for so many drivers is if you don't come from great wealth or you don't have backers of some kind or somebody in the family or who who knows a real rich uncle that really loves you a lot and tosses you a lot of shekels it's a really really big challenge in finding ways around it and there's plenty of guys that have figured it out and women now uh, in the industry that have figured it out which i think is great you just got to be uh, creative and talented work at it work at it uh, it's all seat yeah. time so yeah, a big part of it. Yeah, and on on the women note, I'd just like to say a big shout out to uh, Athena Racing. If anyone wants to look them up, that's a great oh, yeah. outlet yeah. for women to get into the sport, and and that's a big thing. Uh, what Loxley Brown is doing with that, uh, I think, is going to be really cool. So, but yeah, on the other side, just to talk about racers in general, I mean, you got to learn the business. It is a business at the end of the day, and you got to learn what people value and how to get those rides and that and in my experience that comes from educating yourself as much as possible and being the guy where it's 6 a.m and no one wants to go to help set up the course or something as simple as that no one wants to go put the cones out at an autocross at 7 a.m be that guy who shows up when no one else is there no one wants to do the grunt work and people will reward you you have to put the time in you know yeah i'm really glad you said that and some of my Regular listeners will remember this. My father told me when I was young, he said, he said, no matter where you work, work there as if you own that business. Get there before the boss shows up and the other people show up. Stay late. Don't expect anything special. Just work really hard at it and you'll be noticed. People will see that and they'll reward you in different ways. And it's worked for me over the years for sure. I always try to put in a lot of extra things for even my guests here on Cars Yeah with editing the shows and trying to support them in many ways. I'm glad you brought her up because she's been a guest here on Cars Yeah. I've had many, many uh, women on the show here in the industry and racers as well. And she's doing a fantastic job to bring more women yeah. into the racing industry. So absolutely, uh, you can uh, go back and find her show on the Cars Yeah website. Uh, just type in Loxley Brown and you'll find that. We're going to take a short break, Chris. Thank our sponsors and we will be right back. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for the enthusiast and the collector. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car, have two cars, or 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get the exclusive SEM guide to restoration shops included for free. At checkout, use the code CARSYA and receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription. It's an exclusive offer from me here at Cars Yeah. I'm Mark Green, and I love Sports Car Market Magazine. 
Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting. But what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. All right, we're back. I would love for you to share a story with me, Chris, that instigated your personal passion with cars. Is there a pivotal moment when you think back in your life that you knew you were going to be a car guy, a racer, a driver? Yeah, I know. I know the exact moment. I can actually remember the exact moment. I was at a, my dad used to take me to this car show. He's a college professor and they have this big show every year at the college. And I think when I was 10 years old, maybe even earlier, like eight or nine, there was a, I think it was a purple Diablo that was at this show. And seeing that as a nine-year-old kid was the most unreal thing of actually getting to see something like that in the flesh. This is before Instagram. I grew up basically with the internet in its early years. I was born in 88. So we didn't get to look at this stuff. So when you see a Ferrari or you'd see a Viper or or a Lamborghini on the road as an eight-year-old, you never saw one except in a magazine. And there were only a few builds out. It wasn't like the thousands of builds that are out there now on Instagram where you can scroll through a million GTRs or M3s or whatever. It was really rare. And so that was the moment uh, basically for me that that started it. And then the movie Gone in 60 Seconds came out and I became obsessed with the GT500. <laughs> and then yeah. the Fast and the Furious came out in 2001. I think I was 13. And then I found a show called Initial D about these guys who like run around in the mountains. And that was the one that was like, oh, this is cool. This is badass. And so I asked my dad, I said, are there any roads like that around us? And he said, yeah, Mulholland Highway. And so we had an 850 Volvo and we modified it. And he started taking me up there when I was 12. Oh, my gosh. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was riding in the passenger seat and, you know, he's running down M3s and people like that. And, you know, it was like, wow, this is like, what is this world? You know, this is like a whole (laughs) world. And that was kind of the thing that sucked me in and made me want to know more about it. Yeah, what fun, what fun. Well, it's cool that he took you to show and ignited that spark. Let's talk about your first really special vehicle, the first vehicle you got that had great meaning for you, uh, made you go, man, here I am. What was it? And maybe share a memory you have about that ride. 
it's a toss up between two. The the first was a 2002 Mazda Miata that I bought to go SDCA racing with. I got into autocross with a friend of mine, Dan Shaw, who kind of introduced me to that platform. And uh, just the first moment I drove a properly light modern car with a manual transmission, a limited slip, wishbone suspension all the way around on all four corners, something simple, but modifiable with good shocks and springs and bushings and sway bars. And then from there, getting into 125cc uh, tag racing go-kart, you know, you, you start to realize like there's levels to this stuff. Certain cars, you know, from talking to guys like Ray Hall, it's like you can drive your Lamborghinis all day and you can modify your M3s or whatever you want to do. But there's nothing like a proper race car. When you get into an actual open wheel thing that is only designed to drive fast, that's a whole nother level. It's a whole nother experience. And, and I, I would say it was the Miata on the street and autocross that really was like the most memorable car. And then getting into the cart was just like, I didn't even know this kind of thing existed. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing for me, yeah. They're so cool when they came out. I worked with a guy that um, when I was way back then young, and he bought the first one that came out. I remember he let me drive it, and I went, you know, this thing is so cool. And by the way, I had uh, Dr. Tom Matano, who designed that car, uh, the first Miata, as a guest here on Cars. Yeah, he was a guest last year. You you listeners go back, and and you too, Chris, can go back and listen to him. He was guest number 1319, I think. Uh, somewhere in that area. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty cool. He he gave some really great stories about the design of that. Now, you talked about a second car, though. Yeah, the I raced uh, 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 carts, like the, the Italian go-karts yeah. with the two-stroke engine. And yeah, uh, yeah those, are, those are not a lot of guys in the industry know about those. You can go out and buy one for 1500 bucks. My buddy Steve O'Hara got me into that. He's a, a, a six or seven or eight-time champion of the sport. And uh a big Formula Atlantic guy back in the day. He uh, he used to run against David Empringham and some of those guys back, I think, in the early 90s. And uh, he raced against Scott Pruitt, too. So oh, wow. Steve, okay. is, Steve is a really unknown guy. I'm, I'm probably going to interview him for my own podcast, but you should try to get him on. I might be able to get you in touch with him. I would um, love that. He's the one who introduced me to karting, and, and that was what really, really honed my skills and sharpened me up in a vehicle 100%. Cool. Well, let me get into your head a little bit here, Chris. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle, actually manifested as a car, not what you want to be, but how you perceive yourself as a specific type of vehicle, what would Chris Hurst be and why? I'd probably be an NHRA top fuel dragster. <laughs> okay. Well, there's a yeah, twist. Yeah. <laughs> why is that? Yeah. Because everyone who meets me says like, oh, you do everything super fast. And I'm like, yeah, like I don't have any time to, I don't have any time to waste. I'm trying to do things. I'm trying to go places. So I really just, I try to move quick. Like, and sometimes that, that kind of bites you in the ass, you know, but I try to, I try to move quick in life and I try to get things done and learn a lot. And, um, I'm kind of like a husky in a way. If I don't have something to do, you know, I get kind of anxious and I kind of feel like, that's how NHRA top fuel cars are. When you watch them pull up to the line, all they want to do is go. They're just yeah. <laughs> ready right now to go down that drag strip. And you almost feel like the brakes are physically like the only thing stopping them from just, right. you know, going 300 miles an hour. I kind of, I like that kind of metaphor about life, you know, and I feel like people sort of <laughs> perceive me about that, perceive that about me as well. So yeah, that maybe go. John Force's car or something like that, right? Yeah, nicely done. <laughs> yeah. I love it. 
All right. We are entering what I call the last lap. You've been here many times. That white flag's out. You can see the checker down the track. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of that top fuel dragster throttle. Uh, Cover your ears. So here we go. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your many successes? Yeah, I'm, I'm really relentless in pursuing something that I want, and I always tend to find the right people. Uh, you got to go out. One big piece of advice I give guys when I coach them or people who just want to do better with the car stuff is who are you associating with? You got to go after the, the big fish. You got to go after the guys who are the multi-time champions or the people designing the best stuff that's out. And you got to learn from those people. And, and the thing is, those people are not going to let you into their circle easily. So you have to be relentless and you have to make yourself valuable. So I would say those two qualities are something that definitely helped me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, see, our mm-hmm. moms are all right. Be careful who you spend your time with. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's true, that's right? Pretty yeah, important. They usually are. <laughs> well, speaking of special people, if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? Sterling Moss, no question. Oh, no yeah. question. No question. That guy, that guy is such a, a legend to me. Um, and, uh, you know, you talk about who, who else has been in F1? Neil Amiglia won 212 out of the 529 races he entered, not only in one category of competition, but across several. A lot of people have described him as the, you know, it's in his wiki, you know, the, the, the greatest driver never to win the world championship, so to speak. Beyond that, if you listen to interviews, him, he just seems like a fun guy. He seems like he'd be fun to hang out with and he'd have a lot of crazy stories to share. So yeah, I think I have a good laugh with him. He's yeah. a great guy. I've I've tried and tried to get him on this show, and I had him scheduled many times, and his wife, Susie, would call and say, he's just not feeling well today. Can we postpone? And then a couple of years ago, his health has really declined, uh, unfortunately. He's been around. But I'll tell you, Chris, I did get to have a meal with the great Sir Sterling Moss. I was uh, back in 2011. I was at Retromobile in Paris, and I met some people, and they said, hey, would you like to have dinner with us tonight? And I said, yeah, sure. And he said, well, we're going to this cool little restaurant. We know the owner. He's going to reserve the top floor for us, which is just going to be about eight or nine of us. And I said, all right. So we're sitting in the hotel room, uh, our hotel lobby, waiting for a couple of the other people to join us to walk down the street to this restaurant. And I couldn't believe my eyes. Walking up is Sir Sterling Moss, his wife, Lady Susie. Uh, I get introduced and they say, well, he's joining us for dinner. And I look at the guy who invited me and he just winks at me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? We had like a four hour, I mean, it's the way they dine in Paris, right? Like a four hour dinner in the private room at this incredible restaurant. The chef would come up and what would you like now for your seventh course and wine? And and I got to sit between Sir Sterling Moss and his wife, Lady Susie, for four hours. I still get goosebumps today thinking about it because the whole time I'm like, how did I get here? How did... How did this happen? And the, he was such a delightful guy. And you don't want to be starstruck, right? And you don't yeah, want to ask him all the exactly. usual questions. So I'm trying to just be cool. And the craziest thing about it was I left my phone in my hotel room. I don't <laughs> even have a picture of the experience. <laughs> of course, like, of course. That's oh, always my, what happens. That's always yeah, what happens. But, yeah, but uh, yeah. I tell you. Yeah, he, he's a wonderful man. And uh, the things he's, he's done is seen, which is pretty cool. Let me ask you this. What's the best uh, automotive driving or racing advice you've ever received? 
So I was on a podcast with John Morton, who I've raced with quite a bit. And, and John is like, you know, no one, if he needs an introduction, you don't know racing, you know, but yeah, uh, of course. He's, he's just one of the, one of like the biggest names to me in, in the world. And he said uh, on this podcast, he said something that we were talking about being professional. And John said, to really be a professional racer, you have to let racing ruin your life, basically. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think the thing is, is why that quote has been so, so important to me is, is that over time, what I tell a lot of guys is you have to realize, like, there's a lot of different forms of it. So while John is correct, and I do agree with him, you have to be willing to give the game everything because it takes everything to get to that level. I think people need to start thinking about it differently. There's stunt driving, there's drifting now, there's a lot of different avenues other than being like an F1 driver or a Le Mans driver. I mean, you can go be a driving coach at the PEC, you can go be a private coach, you can just lend your time. There's a lot of different ways to do it now. And I think you need to be open to doing different things and different styles. But at the same time, you need to stick to your guns and stay genuine about uh, what you really love in the sport and pursue that. You know, that's how you stay genuine. And I'll tell you before we, I guess, close out the moment for me uh, that I had my kind of equivalent moment of you with Sterling Mosses. I was in Texas at a like a cantina bar, this giant restaurant, and we're overlooking the sunset. And I'm sitting there with Ayrton Senna's former engineer from Honda McLaren, Steve Nichols. And I got John Morton. I got John Morton next to me and I got Steve O'Hara. And these three (laughs) guys are just chatting about driving. Nichols, uh, you know, I think a couple of them went up to, to grab a drink or something and Nichols, uh, turned and started talking about Senna. And he told me and another guy a story about Senna that I guess he said he hasn't shared with many people. So it was kind of like we turned to each other after he goes, Oh, I'm going to go take a leak or something. And he gets up and leaves. And this guy and me just looked at each other and he went, Did that just happen? I said, Yeah, that just happened. And, you know, it's like, Moments like that, you just kind of remember, like, this is why I do this stuff, and this is what's so uh, appealing about it. So, yeah, it's pretty cool that you got to have dinner with that guy, man. That's awesome. Well, it's cool. I met John Morton a few years ago at Carmel on the Concours. Um, He was with Peter Brock with one of the BRE cars. And, of course, John Morton raced with Peter back in the day on Team BRE. And I got to sit down and have a cup of coffee with those two. I've known Peter for a long time, um, and uh, he's been a guest on the show a couple times here. But to get to sit and listen to those two guys just kind of banter about history and stuff, you just you want to just be the fly on the wall and go, man, this is just so absolutely wonderful. Uh, that's pretty darn cool. I think it's great. Is there a resource out there that's kind of a go-to for you that you'd like to share? Not really any particular website. I don't really look at too many sites. But what I would say is, uh, you know, for anyone out there looking to get a general knowledge of vehicles, uh, the Skip Barber racing book is really great. Ross Bentley has a lot of series uh, that are out there. Uh, oddball books like Nuts, Bolts, and Fasteners by Carol Smith, if you're building stuff, is great. And really anything in general by Carol Smith is a really easy read that actually gives you a pretty good depth of knowledge about the subject of driving and, and wrenching and, and tuning without getting super technical and, you know, or you need like a PhD to understand what the guy's talking about. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that's it. Other, other than that, you know, my Instagram page, Ultimate Driving Tips, where I share some stuff about, uh, driving. I'll be expanding that into a podcast soon and, uh, hopefully a YouTube channel so people can follow me there and sort of stay tuned on what I'm doing. Very cool. Very cool. Welcome to the podcast world. That's great. I yeah. love to hear that. Yeah. Well, you can find everything Chris has shared today on his Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to com. 
Type in Chris Hurst, Hurst like the shifter, and you'll find a links to that uh, Ultimate Driving Tips Instagram page for sure. All right, Chris, we're up to the checkered flag here. You've seen many of these in your life. This last question could be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you a very cool collector car, vintage race car, something fun, something old that you can enjoy. However, there are a couple rules. Since I'm going to be buying the car, you got to abide by my rules. One is I want you to drive it. No garage queens. I don't want you selling it to fund your next uh, racing venture. So you got to keep it. But it's the only one cool collector car you can have in your garage. So choose very wisely. I would have to go with a McLaren F1 GTR LM for sure. Okay. For sure. No kidding. No question. It doesn't get any cooler than that. And if money's no object, thinking about answering Carrera GT the other night, because I've been in a couple of those and they're, they're one of the most unbelievable machines to me that there is. But I, I think the GTR LM for the fact that those are even close to road legal, it's, it's like mind blowing that that shouldn't even be allowed, you know, but it is. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, you know, this is an interesting answer because uh, on my other podcast I do with Keith Martin from Sports Car Market, uh, that podcast is titled Buy, Sell, Hold. And if uh, you haven't heard of it yet, you can listen to it by subscribing here on the Cars Yeah podcast channel, or you can find shows on my website or on Sports Car Market Magazine's website. But we're seeing a trend here with younger people like you towards what are their dream cars because these are the cars you grew up with as your dream cars versus my generation, which would be cars from the 60s and 70s. And uh, we just uh, recorded a show the other day on Buy, Sell, Hold podcast with a guest, and we were talking about that. And what's going to be the next GTO collector car in the future? And the guest uh, suggested, well, it's the McLaren uh, F1 because you know, I mean, that's kind of going to be it. And I got to be at the factory when those cars were first being built. I was importing Facom tools and Facom supplied a set of tools that went into the side compartment in those cars uh, because Facom was a sponsor for McLaren F1 racing at the time. So got to go to the McLaren F1 factory and see the race cars and see the first F1s being built. And I'll never forget sitting there looking at that thing with the center seat and just going, man, people are going to drive this on the street. Yeah. Yeah. It looks, it it looks like a spaceship. And then the way that they go, I mean, how long did it take Bugatti anyone to finally dethrone that car? I mean, that thing had a long run on its top speed record and it's still to this day. I mean, I've heard people have their little criticisms and their critiques of them, but that's every car. Everything has its quirks and, you know, it's kind of oddball things about it or whatever. But at the end of the day, I mean, that that thing is just, it's a spaceship. It's another level. It, it's another level, and it still is to this day. And it is, in my opinion, one of the last of the great analog supercars or cars yep. in general that's ever been made and that ever probably will be made again. Yeah, absolutely. So if I get you one of these, and you, of course, pick the racing version of this car, what color would you like yours to be? I would definitely get it black and I would probably get like a, like a bronze wheel on it, like a dark kind of gold color. Like that's yeah. always a, a, a tone that like the uh, John Player special lotuses. I've oh, always sure. been a big fan. I've always been a big fan of that livery. It looks, uh, I don't know. It's just something about it that I really like. I don't really like bright colors on cars. I like a lot of darker stuff. Well, and then because very eighties, uh-huh. you know, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's kind of what was going on back then. And, you think of Smokey and the Bandit and the black Trans Am and the gold wheels. And even when I was uh, young, my first uh, new car was a 1979 Scirocco. And 
I got the gold BBS basket weave wheels yep, put on that yep, car. You, got, you, know? you have to. Yep, yep. It's a good. It's a good look too. It's a clean look, and it looks pretty. Uh, it's uh It's a, I kind of think it's like a powerful look. It may. It makes the car look like not corny and not flashy. It, it kind of lets black on cars lets people know you're kind of serious and a flat black even type of thing. I like that look. I'm I'm into that. So yeah, and then and, you know because of how custom they are, I'd be tempted to do some kind of crazy like red italian leather interior or something ridiculous there you but, go you know yeah. i mean if you're gonna do it like you might as well make it like the most insane thing that you could possibly own you know so yeah. well uh, we, we, can, we can dream right we can dream <laughs> yeah. right mark like, absolutely that's what it's all about <laughs> yeah. well yeah. and i'm, I'm yeah. starting to see gold wheels kind of come back you're seeing a bronzy gold colors coming uh-huh. back these days on cars which is kind of fun everything old is new again well, Chris, that sounds like fun. What a nice dream, too. You've taken me on a fun ride. I knew this would be great. I, I was buckled up real tight here. Really enjoyed your stories. Uh, Want to wish you the best. Would you offer our listeners one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off down the road in that beautiful black McLaren GTRL? <laughs> well, to transition from the McLaren back to reality, I would just like to <laughs> remind everybody out there that you do need money to be in this sport, but there are ways to do it and there are ways to get involved with it without having a gazillion dollars. Um, it just takes a little bit more time and patience. And if you have those two things and you're, like I said at the beginning of this, if you're a student of the game, you stay humble and you stay working and people can see that in you and you're a good person. I think you get a lot of opportunity and a lot of things thrown your way. So stay humble, work really hard and you guys will get to wherever you want to go in life. Absolutely. And if people want to follow along with you, what's the best way and for them or the place I should say for them to find? Um, just my Instagram, uh, it's at ultimate driving tips and that's it. Um, I try to post pretty often, but I work. So, you know, things happen. Um, hopefully <laughs> more this year though, more content. So working on it, staying busy. So just getting it. Absolutely. Well, uh, I'm a follower, so uh, I'll add another name to your list there. I love the photos and stuff awesome. that you're doing. Keep it up. <laughs> awesome, um, yeah. Uh, being a guy who's done, well, we're almost at 1,500 podcasts here. You just got to keep working, plugging away, just like Chris is doing here. Chris, hey, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the Cars Yeah audience. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. All right, Mark. Sounds good. See you later. Thanks so much. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, this is Mark Green. If you love the Cars Yeah podcast, I have something new for you. I've teamed up with Keith Martin, a collector car market expert and the editor of Sports Car Market Magazine to create the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast. Buy, Sell, Hold is the essence of collecting. Together, we take you on an educational ride into the collector car market, talking with industry experts, helping you navigate your collector car journey so you know when to buy, sell, hold. We talk with seasoned experts, who buy, sell, and hold investment vehicles, and they'll share their insider secrets on how they make their buying decisions when it comes to making these important investments. You'll find the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast on the Cars yeah! website, on the Sports Car Market website, and if you're a podcast app subscriber to Cars yeah! Buy, Sell, Hold will come right to your mobile device, just like the Cars yeah! podcast, automatically. Join Keith Martin and me on a great new venture on the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.